Hello and welcome to my podcast, Tits, Tums and All Things Mum. I am your host Lottie and I am here to normalise the normal mum. Think of this as a coffee morning with that one mum friend that is happy to talk about anything and everything, from postpartum sex to toddler tantrums. I am here to empower the modern mum to own the imperfections that come with family life. This is a no-judgment space where my guests and I will be real, candid and unfiltered. So hold on to your knickers, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Tits, Tums and All Things Mum. I am ridiculously excited to welcome Rebecca Oxterby, author of Mum's the Word, onto today's episode. This book has literally saved me so many times at three o'clock in the morning on my fourth feed of the night when I'm losing the will to live and I just have a little read of this book and it saves me. I was actually rereading it for probably the sixth or seventh time to make notes for this recording and quite honestly there is so much that we could talk about as Everything in the book is so true and I always find myself laughing out loud, literally ruffling on the floor. So, Rebecca, welcome on. Thank you so much for being here. That was the loveliest introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I just I just love your book. It is amazing. And honestly, I've told all of my mum friends, I've told all of my Instagram <laughs> followers, they need to buy it. Thank you. I uh, I find it really strange, actually, because I never intended to write the book for kind of the world to read. I just wrote it initially as a bit of a journal, probably because I was struggling with my mental health and I didn't know at the time. And that was my way of kind of, I don't know, having a bit of an outlet. It was very cathartic writing down the thoughts that were in my head about the good things and the bad things about being a mum. So it's really weird when people have read it because I guess they were my, you'll know, like it's completely unfiltered. It's very <laughs> yeah. raw. It, it's very honest. And I just find it really odd when people have read it. But I, I think it's the biggest accolade to me for somebody to be able to say, you've saved me or thank you or I, I relate to this because that's kind of what it morphed into and I guess that was the sole purpose of it in the end was to try and let other mums know that it's okay that it's not amazing all the time. Yeah I think it's kind of like us reading like a little journal of yours as well and it, it just makes us feel like you're like our mate and we're just yeah. hearing about your your stories in this book but it feels just so relatable I think that's um it's weird because Instagram and I know we'll come on to talking about social media because we always do but Instagram has been kind of a love-hate relationship with me and it's allowed me to meet some of the people who know me very well because of the book but I don't know them and them coming to me and saying, oh my God, it's really relatable. And us having that kind of open dialogue about parenthood and real parenthood has allowed me to make some really good friends because I guess you find your tribe with people who are normal and not competitive and just like love the good bits, but also hate the shit bits. Yeah, I totally get that because sometimes I get people 
messaging me and they know literally everything about me in my life yeah. because of my Instagram but I may not know anything about them but it kind of feels like you're your mates because you you talk on Instagram and you feel like you you really know them because you're sharing your absolute worst bits but also your absolute best bits absolutely I met up with a girl who I'd met on Instagram she runs a company called Glow Mama Box and they oh I saw this on your Instagram (laughs) yeah so she makes um like gorgeous boxes a subscription box for mums and I came across her because initially she stuck the book in one of her boxes and then today we met up for the first time and it was so weird because we just talked like we knew one another though we'd never actually seen one another face to face before and I guess that's what Instagram provides especially yeah. in Covid times and I, I hate talking about Covid on podcasts because that's not what it's about but for mums who've had a baby at this time you can find a community online which provide you with that oh my god this is shit is this shit for you too <laughs> yeah it is that's the conversation that I think you need and It's definitely provided that for me. That is so true. Whenever I'm having a shit time, I just post a story and then I get so many messages coming back like, oh, yeah, same here, same here. I'm like, oh, thank God. Everybody loves watching other people's misery. Yeah. It's funny you should say that, that girl stocking your uh, book, though. I actually got mine gifted to me as part of the pregnancy calendar. Did you? Wow, yeah. you've got good mates. Who bought you a pregnancy calendar? That's no, I got gift. I got gifted it as through ah. Instagram, and mm. I got your book in it. And I'd I'd not heard of it before. And my God, I am so lucky that it came in that pregnancy calendar because <laughs> I just saw it and I was like, oh, this looks good. Let's have a read of this then. And I started it in my pregnancy, and obviously ah. I I already had one child, so I I kind of. I, I knew what life was like, but I was reading yeah. it. I was like, oh, this is going to save me on those <laughs> night feeds. So, the yeah. Pregnancy calendar also, like, she is an incredible woman. So she sucked the book as well. But that gift, if people will have seen it, won't they, on your stories. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's just the most beautiful gift yeah. for a new mum. I've kept the actual calendar itself to top it up with other stuff for when one of my best mates gets pregnant because yeah. it's just beautiful that's a great idea yeah so shall we get into it could you first off start by telling us a bit about yourself and how this book actually came about yeah so um I'm Beck's mum of Isabel who is two next month which is just the most insane thing oh, in my life because I guess Isabel lives as this top this newborn in that book and now she's nearly two it's just really odd um so yeah mum to Isabel live with her dad my husband Danny we've been together since we were 16 um so it sounds like a a sweetheart childhood romance but I guess like being a a mum being a wife is really difficult isn't it like that oh yeah I don't know how to put it I just think people expect that when you're a kid, you go, oh, and I want to be a mom and I want to get married and I want to have a baby. And I have all of those things on paper and it looks beautiful, but it's bloody hard. You have to work at it. Yeah. So wrote the book whilst I was on maternity leave. Like I said, to kind of just document 
some of the experiences that I was going through and the funny things that happened as well because there's just loads of things that nobody tells you about being a mum and I like to read and everybody bought me books about like oh and then this is how you get them to sleep and this is how you get them to eat or wean or whatever but nobody bought me a book to tell me how to be a mum mm. so when Isabel turned up I was like oh she's not doing any of the things that the books say that she's meant to do what what am I meant to do now they never so, do yeah. it by the book do they these cheeky no. little buggers no and then you're like I've been conned here like what what do you do? Where is the page where it's meant to tell you what to do when they just ignore everything that the book says? <laughs> so yeah, I I documented that, shared it with a few friends, and they were like, "You need to release this as a book. This is this is every woman's mind written down." Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It, it was just a, I guess you just take the plunge, don't you? Like mm-hmm. things with Instagram or like a career a job whatever I'm the type of person that just goes right well I've got nothing to lose if it flops completely then that's fine because nobody knew about it anyway <laughs> but it it did really well and it went to a number one bestseller in childcare, which and, and child discipline by the way which is the most <laughs> hilarious thing ever because I was like child discipline I know absolutely nothing about child discipline that's hilarious but yeah that um that was a bit of a shock for me. I guess I worked really hard on trying to get it publicised because I was self-published, so you've got to really work on the publicity side. But that it just became a thing, and then the second book came along, and now we're here talking on a podcast. It's very strange. I know. I'm honestly going to buy it for every single friend that I yeah. have that becomes pregnant because, like you say, there's all these books about what's supposed to happen and what you're supposed to do but what what about when it goes tits up and you have no idea what you're doing and it's four o'clock in the morning you've got shit everywhere and you're just sat there like what on earth is going on yeah that belly button thing i think it comes from it's got that thing on its belly button and i was like nobody's told me what to do with this i actually have a funny story about that as well (laughs) because please tell me that you didn't keep it no no oh god no but the first time around i was a bit freaked out by it so i didn't go near it i literally i could not wait for it to fall off but i didn't go near it didn't touch it didn't sniff it then the second time around i was a bit more like oh yeah i know what i'm doing this is cool um, so my second child, Bailey, his was looking a bit red one day. So I thought I'd give it a whiff to see if it <laughs> smelt infected. Little did I know that it literally is rotting flesh. So yeah. it absolutely reeks. And I freaked out and I called my health visitor and I was like, I think it's infected. It stinks. <laughs> it smells like rotting meat. And she was like, yeah, it's a lump of flesh hanging off it of is him. Meat. I was like oh right that is literally the most stupidest thing I've ever done I'm a nurse as well so I should have known this but I just didn't sniff my first child's one so I didn't realize that they actually do stink yeah it's it's so disgusting actually and like the worst thing is people I know who I've said oh isn't that disgusting they've gone oh I've kept mine in their memory box like I contemplated keeping the clip it's yeah. disgusting. <laughs> I nearly kept the clip, but I couldn't undo it to get yeah. the flesh out. So I was like, nope, sod that in the bin. <laughs> I just don't, like, 
you're never gonna look back and go, and this is a part of your belly button that fell off. I just Here's don't feel like that's ever gonna be relevant. Yeah. No, no, never. But literally, the stories in your book are just hilarious and so relatable. And I was hooked by the first page. Uh, something about getting knocked up out the back of Weatherspoons. Yeah, that's got nothing to do with me, by the way. I just need to say that now. I, that is not how I conceived. Oh, but it's just hilarious. And I, I just immediately thought this this is my kind of book. But I also love like the contrast with the really funny side, but also the hard hitting realities. So one of the hard hitting realities that you talk about is like judgment, mum shaming, one upmanship, comparing, competing, all that side of motherhood. And it's something that I experience quite a lot on my social media as well. I, I'm an oversharer on my social media, which I'm sure you've seen. I share literally <laughs> everything from my broken vagina to like what I'm doing with feeding, everything. Um, but that does mean that I do get quite a lot of comments and, yeah. you know, all of that mum judgment stuff from what do you call them you call those people something and I forget well, what in it's... the second book I call them Karen all the time <laughs> yeah because like that's when Karen came out who Karen is I can't even remember what I said in the first one uh, it's like uh, mi- misery mafia like... yeah oh yeah the Super misery ma- nightmares aren't they oh god there's you just say so many names for them and, and I'm like oh my god that is so <laughs> funny because it's so true but yeah, why do you feel like mums feel the need to behave that way? I think parenting is the ultimate job, isn't it? And there are going to be people, like in any job, who feel the need to prove themselves. So by putting you down for not using cloth nappies or not breastfeeding or not, I don't know, keeping the belly button clip thing, people... <laughs> make themselves feel better that's what I've started thinking now in my head my daughter is actually like she's she's incredible her language is insane but the point of her doing so well would never ever like I would never ever think to go oh your child's not developing as quickly as mine or oh my child's so clever compared to you like I am I don't know how to say it I just think people feel like it gives them strength or it makes them feel better. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think, I know sometimes people will go, oh, but we were only trying to help. So like, say if you've got the car seat and you've got a jacket on in the car seat and we all know that God will murder us all if we put a jacket on a child (laughs) in the car seat. But then people will comment and go, you're really not meant to put a coat on, you know. Like, I don't know if you remember in the book I spoke about Isabel, she was 10 days old and she was really, really constipated. Mm, yeah, the cold crying water. Crying. Yeah, crying, crying, crying because I, she just had trap wind, couldn't poo. I rang the hospital and they said, right, you've tried everything else. You've tried the bicycle legs, you've tried rubbing her tummy, you've tried wind in her. You can try c- cooled, boiled water and see if that helps. And I know that the internet says that you're not meant to do that, but a midwife, a qualified healthcare professional who works with children who delivered my child 10 days previously mm-hmm. had said to try it. So I did try it, but then because I was so impatient, I then went on to Facebook and said, look, I've tried this, this and this, and I've tried cool boil water on midwife recommendations. 
And some girl just commented back going, you're really not meant to do that, hun. The trollop called Helen. Yeah, fucking (laughs) Helen. So I was just like, but but a midwife has taught, you know, when you think, what's your job? What is your profession? And what kicks do you get out of telling me what not to do when I'm actually asking you for help? So I've just come off those groups now because they're not helpful. And I think mums who are desperate at that time. And looking back now, I think, oh, bloody hell, like, she's fine. She, You knew that she was absolutely fine. Mm. But when the crying is there and in your ear all of the time, you will do anything to make it stop. Yeah. And sometimes I think those Facebook groups are the worst place to be as a new mum because you're hormonal, you're sleep deprived like the slightest little comment even if it's not meant in sort of a bad malicious way if they're saying that you're doing something wrong or you're parenting wrong it's going to upset you and nine times out of ten that is all they're going to say because they're sat there behind their computer screens judging every other mum and just saying whatever they want to say to make themselves feel better because I've had that before in those groups I've I mentioned the f word formula in in a breastfeeding group I don't know why I did that because that was the stupidest thing ever but oh my gosh it within like minutes there was so many comments like you shouldn't do formula you shouldn't change to formula just for convenience because yes I was doing it for convenience but all of the comments were basically saying that I was doing wrong for my baby for wanting to switch to formula and at that time you're hormonal you're sleep deprived that really got to me so yeah my top tip for new mums remove yourself from the Facebook groups take advice from professionals health visitors midwives and use your gut use your gut instinct they're your baby it may not feel like you know what you're doing in the moment but what you're doing for them is absolutely right so as long as you're not you know harming them in any way you're doing great that's so true on on about the formula thing I breastfed Isabel till she was seven and a half months old and she latched on immediately we had no issues it was free so I I was made up like that works whatever (laughs) but I found that a lot of people especially people who formula fed felt like they needed to justify themselves to me when I was breastfeeding out in baby groups or whatever they go oh are you breastfeeding oh I I tried to breastfeed but I couldn't or I I was gonna breastfeed but she had tongue tie I just think it's so sad Mm. that we feel the need to have to justify ourselves as parents I was like you absolutely don't need to explain yourself to me like I'm doing this because it's free and it works yeah that that was literally it like yes I made up that there's health benefits but if you go into a nursery I would bet you a million pound that you could not pick out the best fed children and the formula fed children so as much as there is evidence for breastfeeding I don't it makes me really sad because we're turning on our own kind Mm -hmm. by us putting mums down for formula feeding or combi feeding or expressing or whatever we are turning on the people who we need the most it's just the weirdest situation and I get that there's always going to be people who are at the extreme ends people who will not touch formula because they wholeheartedly believe that breastfeeding is the most incredible thing and you know what yeah it is but 
you have to understand that not everything is black and white. Yeah. I think some of them genuinely believe that formula is poison as well. Like some I mean, of the comments that I got. Dead, wouldn't we? I know, we but some of the survived. comments were literally as if I was about to poison my child as if I would yeah. do that. But it as was if just you horrendous. Them, like absinthe <laughs> rather than blood <laughs> Like, oh, and you just can't win with these people. You can't. Do you find that because you've got like a a big Instagram following that you are conscious of what you're putting on or do you just ignore the comments now? I the bigger I've got, the more hate I've received, but I think that's yeah. always going to happen and it used to bother me a lot, but I don't know, something recently has just clicked for me and has just made me just think fuck you all, I'm doing what I'm doing, I don't care what you think about what I'm doing, I'm going to continue doing it, and if you've got anything to say, remove yourself. Goodbye. So yeah, exactly. That's how I am. But to be honest, when I recently had my baby and I was having the issues with his feeding and switching over to formula, I think the mix of hormones, sleep deprivation, feeling like I was failing him, that kind of mix meant that the comments were getting to me but now that he is the happiest little baby ever now that he's on formula I just look at those comments and think oh well like I've got a happy baby now he's he's good as gold I don't care what you have to say like as you say breastfeeding yes scientifically is best but you have to look at the bigger picture you have to look at the mental health of the mum you know, the the health of the baby as well, because I was actually making him poorly by continuing to breastfeed him. And just the whole family as like a bigger picture. And sometimes you need to just take a step back and realise you're doing the right thing for your baby, even if it's not the right thing in terms of science and what the breastfeeding brigade think is right. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And if I have another child and it doesn't work as well this time, then that's always an option. We moved Isabel onto formula and it was weird because I stopped at seven and a half months. She started sleeping through the night at eight months. I don't think that that's a coincidence. Yeah, so, my, my Bailey is sleeping through as well and he's four months. This is People are going to be hating on me I right now. I tortured myself for so long, but... I don't know if it's related, but I just think there's a high chance of coincidence that mm-hmm. she stopped breastfeeding and then slept through. But so, you know um, what? I mentioned that on my stories, saying that oh, ba- Bailey's now sleeping. You mention it because they lose their shit. They, everybody wants you to struggle. Someone said to me, you're feeding him, you're feeding him into a coma, that's why. <laughs> it's just hilarious, isn't it? So, yeah, well, if that coma gives me 12, 12 hours sleep, then that's cool. Yeah, isn't that what sleep is anyway? You just go into the coma for oh, a few no, hours yeah. and then come back out. Yeah. It's fine. Exactly. But have you faced any sort of judgment since writing the book for the things that you've written in there? Um. Yes and no. Yes, there's been a couple of times, actually. When I first released it, it went out into the Daily Mail. Um, they did a piece on it in the Daily Mail. And quite a lot of old men were commenting, saying, my mum had 12 children and you never heard her complaining. Who are these people who think that parenthood is hard? And a part of me wanted to respond with a really sassy comment. And then I just thought, like, one, you're a man, so you've never experienced this through 
a woman's body before. And two, Isabel doesn't know that I find it hard because you don't complain to your child about it. Mm -hmm. So when he's going, oh, my mum never complained. She didn't complain to you, but she's probably complained to someone. She's sitting with her mates having a coffee saying, my kids are all a bunch of little shits. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think in that time as well, we went, I mean, like, you have a perfect example, actually. And so my NHS staff members who then moved into a side hustle because, I mean, that's what is pressured on women nowadays. Yeah. You you develop your own career, but also you have to be a mum, but also you have to have a side hustle and you have to earn your own money. Mm-hmm. All of those things weren't a thing when this man's mum had 12 kids. I bet she stayed at home and that was her job. And as much as I've got a lot of respect for stay-at-home mums because it's bloody hard... I couldn't be a stay-at-home I... mum. <laughs> no, I think that's harder than going to work. Definitely. And I say this in the second book, work is my outlet. And I think I I was a better mum when I went to work because it gave me a bit more of who I am. Yeah, definitely. But also, back then, they, you know the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. Back then, they had a village. They had, I you know, their neighbours, their... Like, everyone came together to raise these children when I was growing up I had my great-grandparents next door my grandparents across the road my auntie a couple of doors up you know it was everyone was there so when we got home from school we'd go to any one of their houses and just chill until mum got home from work so there were all these people around but now it's not like that anymore you're kind of left you might have a little bit of support here and there, but it's not the same as having everyone just there all the time. So it is kind of left to the mum to to pick up everything, have their career, look after the kids, do all the housework, have your side hustle, do all of these things by yourself. So I think we're allowed to moan about it. Yeah. And then I had another message. Um, it went into a book club and the book club didn't know that I was a member of the WhatsApp group. So it was just entered as a book club and then all of the girls were commenting on their thoughts, whatever. They didn't know that the author was in the club. And cause I, and I didn't want to say that either because I think if you say that, then everybody goes, oh, I really like your book. But mm. nobody gives real feedback. And the feedback was really positive apart from one woman who said she has nothing nice to say about her child. Um, she should be more appreciative of the fact that she's got a daughter. And that really hurt because But you definitely you definitely do mention how much you yeah. love Isabel and everything in there and like you love being a mum. Yeah, it's just a balance. It's it's being real, isn't it? And I think it's it's like any relationship. I don't trust people who say, Oh, me and my husband never argue. <laughs> like uh, uh, what do you do? Like how is that real? What pills are you and taking? Think, yeah. Like, he must live under the stairs if you never argue with him because that's not how life is. No. So I guess this was my way of going. That extends to parenthood. And as much as I love my kid, and actually I feel like I love her more now because we can talk to one another and she can tell me what's the matter. I feel like I'm a better mum now to as a mum to a toddler because I she tells me the answer whereas when you're a mum to a baby I don't know what the answer is she'd just cry and I'd be like 
is it wind no is it the... and you just go on this little cycle for hours and hours while yeah. it's meant to be night time and then there's all these different things like fourth trimester you need to cuddle them but don't cuddle them too much because you'll spoil them yeah. ah what do you want What's from me <laughs> oh god what have we been through eh what do mums have to go it, through like, there's actually a simpler time when that man had his mum with 12 children because mm-hmm. there were no books to say if you cuddle them then you'll ruin them if you don't cuddle them then you'll ruin them mm. yeah. they just did whatever they wanted whereas now i guess there's too much science yeah. that none of us know what the real answer is and too much social media as well yeah. uh, speaking of like you know relationships and all that um arguments the chapter in your book is probably one of my favorite chapters because you can guarantee that almost all parents will be feeling that way. And it's like you have so much love for your partner before you have kids. Like you do these amazing things, you go on holidays, you're allowed to have sex whenever and wherever you want. Like it's lovely. And then you have a baby and then sleep deprivation, resentment, all of that. And then just the sound of them breathing is enough to make your blood boil and you talk about this in your book. But how are things with you and Danny now? <laughs> um, it's funny, isn't it? Because lockdown came along. We'd, we'd finally started going on date nights and trying to be a couple again. And then the world shut down and prevented us from leaving the house. So I guess we are really good. But I think... I think it's still difficult. What I wrote in the second book, and I will say this till the day that I die, if another woman came into your relationship, it would stir shit up. If your husband fell in love with another woman, that would ruin a massive part of your relationship. And I never realised that the other woman would be my daughter. And he is obsessed with that little girl. And it's the most beautiful relationship But the fact that he puts her first and I put her first means that we've both been moved to second best. Mm. And the fact that Danny isn't my number one anymore is really difficult, I think. Like, if he wants to cuddle and then I can hear her whimpering or crying or even coughing in bed, I'll be like, oh, hang on, I've got to go back to mum mode. And you're just constantly in this mum mindset where you can't I can't switch off from that I don't think I don't think I'm very good at going it's my turn to be a wife now no you're just constantly mum once you've become a mum haven't you and I don't know about you but I had this massive I still have I guess because it's quite early days with my second this massive resentment that he pretty much hasn't had to change anything he Yes, there's been sacrifices, but he gets to go to work like normal, have his lunch breaks at work where he can sit and play on his Nintendo Switch and drink a cup of coffee, hot cup of coffee, not a lukewarm one. And he gets to have like adult conversations with his work colleagues and, you know, kind of gets to do all of those things. Whereas I've sacrificed my body, my boobs, everything to do with your body you've sacrificed your your career I'm, I'm obviously going to go back to my career but for the time being it's on hold um you just sacrifice everything and there's just this resentment there and sometimes I think it's hard to tell 
that it is resentment that's trying that's making you feel that way but once you've actually realized how you're feeling it's like oh shit yeah that's what's making me feel this way towards him it's really true that and it's weird listening to somebody else say it because i guess that's exactly how i feel particularly the body thing Mm. i had an incredible body before i had his same i just didn't know it at the time yeah what i wouldn't give for that flat stomach now Mm. um yeah and i guess the pregnancy the the decision with regards to when you postpone your career because you've got to go off for a year but if you have a difficult pregnancy you could be off for the best part of two years Mm. you have to sacrifice your body and for another baby you have to sacrifice it again and my body is just not my body at the moment and I know I mean I still use that but I've just had a baby excuse as to why I've still got two stone heavier than I was and she's nearly two so I don't know how long I can push that for but he it looks the same Mm. and he I don't know I, I I want to not hate him for that because it's not his fault mm-hmm. but equally I do hate him for that because I just want my old body back yeah I know what you mean and uh, the whole body thing I think is something that's really difficult to wrap your head around I know after I had Bella I found that really difficult and pretty much as soon as I stopped breastfeeding her I was like hitting the gym I was on all these diets I went on to slim fast And I did lose a load of weight. And as a result of that, I was getting compliments. I felt much more confident. But then obviously I went on to have a second child. And this time around, I decided I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to accept this new body. It's birthed a human. It's grown, well, it's birthed two humans. It's grown two humans. Uh, It's going to be different to the body that I had before. And I'm trying to learn to accept that. So far, I think I'm doing okay. Obviously, you have your good days and your bad days. And some days you have to try a lot harder to be kinder to yourself. But I think it's just such a difficult thing for mums to get used to their their new bodies. And there's all these things bouncing around about you, you have to bounce back, you have to lose your baby weight. And there's all these ads on Facebook and Instagram like, lose your baby weight fast and all this so you're feeling that pressure but actually you've birthed you've grown and birthed a human being it's no wonder your body is slightly different but you do touch on this and you're very open about this in your book and how you're kind of not liking your postpartum body and how celebrities post about you know losing their weight really quickly but now nearly two years on how are you feeling about your body I think I'm still on a journey. I feel like I admire the confidence that you've, not even necessarily confidence, the self-acceptance that you've got for your body because I know that my body isn't hideous. I know that I've birthed a child. I don't have stretch marks. I, I just have this little pouch and I know that I could go to the gym and probably get rid of it or go on a diet. I think it's the acceptance for me that before I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted and now I can't and that's probably got something to do with age as well but at the moment I'm still in this kind of 
sulking phase of well i want to eat what i want and i don't want to diet but i also don't want this body because in my 20s i could have it all and now i can't Mm -hmm. and i i just kind of hope that one day it's gonna fix itself yeah yeah i totally get that i think probably where that differs with me is that i've never been able to eat what i wanted and have the body like i used to be a, a bikini athlete so I used to go on ridiculously strict diets to be able to get that body. So I know that if I want the body that I used to have, I have to sacrifice food. And I don't want to do that. I like food and I like wine. So it's not going to happen. So I'm accepting this body so that I don't have to sacrifice wine. That's, I mean, that is what I need in my head. That's where I need to be. But I also still want the body. I just think I'm annoyed with society. I don't Mm. think I'm annoyed with myself. I'm annoyed that a size 8 or a size 10 is what is preferable. Because now I'm a 14, I think. And I was brought up being told that that was big. Like that Mm -hmm. was a a big size. And it's not a big size at all. But in my head, I'm still like, "Mm, but you want to get down to that size 10. Yeah, I'm not going to be a size 10 unless I work really hard and I don't know if I want to work really hard I just want to eat what mm. I want to eat Yeah, these are the things I resent Danny for yeah exactly he is in exactly the same clothes as he was when well before Isabel was born mm. and it, I think the struggle especially because I guess you're tired and you work and you've got to every day you have to feed a child don't you yeah so you have to make this decision at like four o'clock oh god what are we having for tea yeah so i tend to you need to you need to meal prep don't you if you're gonna be a good mum and be healthy and stuff and some days i'm great at that and then other days i just think i just can't be bothered yeah but the thing is i do meal plan i write down my plan of meals for the week but then it will get to that day and I look at my meal plan and I'm like, oh, it's something really difficult today. Can't be asked for that. So then I'll whack fish fingers and chips in the oven because I've got like a screaming baby and an annoying toddler. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be standing over the cooker while they sod about in the living room. So I just whack something in the oven. So it's all well and good meal planning. But as a mum, I feel like you can't always do things like that when you want to. So I guess that's why kind of acceptance uh, is kind of the easier path to follow when it comes to, I mean, don't get me wrong, I do I do work out. I go to a buggy fit class, which is really good. You get to take your baby with you and it's like a fitness class. So I do that, uh, not to lose weight, but just to kind of maintain some sort of healthiness. And yeah. then my other exercise for the week is running around shitting soft play and taking <laughs> the kids to swimming lessons. And yeah. healthy eating wise, I try and watch what I eat, but some days I am going to have a glass of wine and a whole packet of Maltesers and that's just how it is. But I think everything in moderation and you're fine. Yeah, but it is tough. It is tough on mums to kind of get to grips with this new body that that they've now kind of got to get used to and get used to dressing as well because all of my my clothes were for my pre-baby body 
and it not even size wise but my body has changed like in terms of composition as well so I've had to change how I dress completely in style and recently I emptied my wardrobe completely of anything that didn't currently fit me regardless of whether one day I might fit into it nope got rid of it and did a shop for all the stuff that that would fit me now that did mean I had to buy size 16 clothes because that was what fits my body I don't know if I'm I am a size 16 who even knows what size they are because sizes are different wherever you shop yeah so in some shops I can fit a 12 others a 16 so I bought size 16 clothes they fit beautifully they look amazing so I'm going with it I don't care what size they are and I think, I think that's a great idea yeah. I think that's what I hate about my body at the moment actually is I look at all of the clothes that I've got nothing feels nice mm. maybe I need to do what you've just done get rid of everything that doesn't feel nice and go and buy nice clothes because I don't think it is about the size I think my issue is trying to fit into things that just don't flatter me anymore yeah definitely you definitely need to yeah do one of those shops someone said a really good quote to me on Instagram the other day and that was the clothes fit you you don't fit the clothes so it's like stop shopping for clothes that that you think you might fit into so like you think you're a size 12 stop shopping for size 12 clothes like try them on in all different sizes if it means that you're buying a size 16 even though you're not a size 16 go with it because clothes are just ridiculous like come on you can buy you can put jeans all together from different shops and they just look totally different sizes but I think media is going in the right direction with the whole body thing though I think it used to be about being like a size 8 to 10 but there's so much more like body confidence and like plus size shops and things like that and high street shops are actually stocking plus size clothes as well so that you don't have to shop in specialist stores anymore yeah. So I think we're getting there. I, I think saying that at a point, people weren't able to just go to the shops and no. buy clothes. It's the most insane thing. I think in a way, the move away from Topshop and places like that to not being on the high street anymore has probably been a positive thing because I remember going into there and it was like a children's clothes yeah. shop. All yeah. of the clothes were so small. Mm-hmm they wouldn't stock things for like normal sized humans no. i've never been able to shop in top shop because i've always been a curvy girl even when yeah. i was like really skinny so never been able to shop there so it's good that places like h&m now even their models on their website are you know plus size girls they've got stretch marks and things like that and they're they're not airbrushing them out so i think we're heading in the right direction which hopefully will make it a little bit easier for mums yeah, Molly Forbes has released a book called Body Happy Kids. Yeah, I've seen that. I've tried to read it because I'm not a body happy person at the moment, but I've tried to read that because I'm very conscious that I'm bringing up a little girl and I don't want her to be bothered about the size of her thighs or be bothered about cellulite and stuff. And I'm hoping that we are moving in a direction where children of the future aren't going to be that bothered about their body in the same way that we were yeah yeah I've actually got a whole podcast episode coming up on this 
um, with Harriet Shearsmith, who is oh, at yes. Toby and Rue on um, Instagram. She's amazing. I love her. I she? love her so much. And her new book is incredible. I know. So we're actually recording a podcast all around body confidence. So hopefully that will help people kind of figure out how to you know speak in front of their kids and how to have some top tips on body confidence so that's amazing I can't wait to listen to that yeah it's gonna be a good one um so yeah we kind of digressed into body confidence a bit there didn't we (laughs) that's me (laughs) um so yeah you talk quite a lot about as well about um you had a c-section and but then you go on to talk about vaginal births as well and probably one of my favorite sentences in the entire book saying this out loud is so funny um was someone sees how many fingers they can fit inside you like some freakish bangkok showpiece and the reason that was so funny to me is because i've probably seen a show like this when i went to bangkok (laughs) myself (laughs) i was like that is so true Uh, but do you have like a favorite part or a favorite saying in your book um, I guess because obviously I've I've just released the second book to start in May, and I looked back at the first book. I still haven't read the whole of the first book back because I guess it was quite emotional to write. Um, but there is a section called "You," and in the second book, I repeat that section and write back to the girl who wrote the first book. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> and that is really difficult to read because I just want to give her a cuddle because she was lost and didn't know who she was as a woman and didn't know who she was as a mum or a wife or a a worker in the NHS Mm. and now I feel like I am a lot more in the know about who I am and a lot more in touch with me as a parent so as much as that's not a a funny bit that's the bit that resonates with me the most because I think that is kind of a capsule of time that really speaks about that moment as a mum and I guess if I ever go on to have another child that will be the bit that I'll tell myself to read because I don't want to lose myself in the same way yeah that bit definitely made me emotional as well and also the chapter friendships because that has definitely happened to me as well and the way you put it, I was like, oh my God, that that is what's happening here as well. So that definitely made me emotional. And I feel like, I feel like every mum kind of goes through these same things. Like with the chapter you, you kind of, you lose yourself and it's like a struggle to re-find yourself and the, the whole friendships thing as well. So I feel like you kind of talk on behalf of all mums and everyone will read it and be like, and I'm like, Thing will just snap in their head and be like oh my god that's me too and that's what happened with me when I read uh, the friendships chapter as well it just made me realize that that that's exactly what was happening with me as well it's um it's quite emotional thinking about it really because I, if for anyone who hasn't read the book I speak about not only how I have learned how much of a potentially bad friend I was to my friends who had kids and didn't understand the stress that they were going through but also how a lot of my friends without children just didn't get me they didn't get what I was going through and 
I know as a new mum, all you can give a shit about is your kid. And I know the world goes on for everybody else. And I know it's boring to hear about a baby's burping or night times or nap times. But it takes over your entire life. And I guess all I want my friends to do at that time was to just be there and wait it out on the other end. Yeah. And some of them have. Some of them have been insane and just really beautiful and get it and come around with food especially in those first few weeks but some of them didn't and I guess when they have their children they might go through that period of realization that I did where as much as when your friends have kids you want to go around and you want to hold the newborn baby and get them a I don't know a little set from H&M that mum needs to cuddle more than you will ever need to cuddle that baby. Yeah. And yeah. now I make it, and it's like my rule in my head, whenever anybody goes off to have a baby in work or one of my friends, I won't buy the baby anything. I will always buy the mum something. Yeah, exactly. One of my friends bought me, um, me and Danny a £20 dining for two marks and Spencer's voucher and that was the most thoughtful present because I was like oh my god this is a date night yeah but we don't need to leave the house and the baby can be asleep and it it was just something for us in a world of baby presents it was something for us and that's the present that's always stood out to me I think yeah see I was the first out of my friends to have a baby so I kind of I I got it for them straight away when they had their their kids I kind of knew what they they were going through but I guess they never kind of got it for me um and I've had that recently um most of my friends now are mums but the ones that aren't haven't understood when I've disappeared off the radar and I kind of explain it as like being sucked into a black hole and then just kind of being there in your black hole of motherhood but not really being there so you're not replying to messages you're not you're not getting in contact with people because you're literally everything is focused on being a mum to this little baby and then suddenly you'll pop out of your black hole and be like oh yeah I'm still here and then you may have lost some of those friendships or during the time so during the time when I was in this black hole I actually was like approached by a friend and was brought up on the fact that I wasn't replying to messages or when I did reply it was really blunt and that hurt me a bit because I thought I'm replying to these messages despite the fact that I am trying so hard to keep my head above water and I'm sinking but I'm replying to these messages no matter how blunt I am trying to reply where I can and yeah it just really hurt that 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 wasn't understood but now actually after having read that chapter again now that I'm in a different headspace I've actually realized it's not their fault they don't understand what motherhood is and while my other friends they're there still I know they're there if I need them but they haven't required replies from me I they get it they're mums but now I just I understand fully and I need to give my non-mum friends a little bit of grace and sort of understanding for just not getting motherhood yeah and it's really hard isn't it because you take it so personally but until you're in that situation I mean god I thought that I got it I had loads of friends who had kids before me and I thought 
that I just got where they were coming from. I was like, oh, they're probably busy because they've got a kid, whatever, but they're at home all day, so why can they not respond? The home all day, not on, like, on mat leave, you're off, year for, off work for a year thing. It's just not true. You are not off work. Like, what is it you say? 168 hours a week, unpaid, yeah. and your boss shits on the floor. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> what it is. That is not conducive to being off work. It's not a benefit. It's not a lovely... I mean, that's what we thought maternity leave would be like. I thought yeah. I'd be going for afternoon tea. Coffee dates. Coffee shop. Like, the kid is with you wherever you are. It is not a time off. No, not so, time but off. until you do that, you think... I've been in work all week. I don't know why she can't respond. I can find a way to respond. Yeah. But sometimes it's not even about being able to respond as in being busy. Sometimes you just don't want to respond because yeah. you're absolutely knackered. You you can barely even string a sentence together, you know, out loud, let alone reply to this message. You might have a bit of postpartum depression. You might yeah. be dealing with a whole other load of mental health shit going on. And you're just not in that space right now to have a chin wag about what's going on in their life. Like you just, no. you're so absorbed in what's going on that you're just the last thing on your mind. On your mind is replying to that message. I think it's like, even if you reply, you're like, oh, I don't even want to start a conversation. I just don't want to speak to anybody. No. You've you've spoke to people all day. You've <laughs> been touched all day. Yeah. You just want to be left on your own. Oh, yeah, that's the thing with the partners as well. Like, I don't know about oh, you, but when Alec gets in from work and he's he, like, wants to chat to me about, like, he's asking about my day, which is lovely. He wants yeah. to know how my day is. He's telling me about his day. He's wanting a kiss and a cuddle. And I'm just like, don't touch me. I've been touched all day. Yeah. Don't talk to me. My toddler has not shut up all day. <laughs> I want to sit in silence without anyone yeah. touching me. I want to scroll Instagram with no real purpose. And I just want to be left alone. And they think that That's you're being so an utter bitch and that you've turned into this horrible ice queen. But actually, you're just a bit fed up. Yeah, so true. And uh... Uh, I can't even use that excuse anymore because it's been two years, but I'm still like, just leave me alone. I don't care about your day. I don't care about anybody's day. I just want to sit in silence. Yeah. Like, my job is really stressful. I'm talked to all day at work. I'm talked to all day when I come home to speak to Isabel. I just want to sit on my own. I don't want to talk to anybody. And then he's like, can we have a cuddle? And I'm like, no. Don't touch I'd rather me. just have a cup of tea. Don't touch me. Yeah. I need like a sign that says don't touch me. And then they oh, try God. it on with the whole sex thing. And you're like, oh, for Christ's sake, I literally popped a kid out of my vagina a couple of months ago. And I've been touched all day. And I've been talked to all day. Literally, get away from me. That I talk about libido in the next book. Um because I still have no sex drive now and I'm two years in and just the thought makes me go, ugh, go yeah. away. Yeah. And I feel yeah. so bad because I, I think I did a poll on this on Instagram actually. I was like, is anybody else actually in the mood or am I just a horrible witch <laughs> of a wife? And I think it was like 98% yeah. of people who responded had said that they have no sex drive anymore. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh my God. I'm made up, it's not just me. The only way that Danny's going to get sex is if I decide I want another kid. 
<laughs> then it's for a purpose. Yeah, yeah, I talk about this on my Instagram story sometimes as well. And everyone says exactly the same. And a lot of them are worried that it was just them. And they were like really grateful to see that it was actually every single mum ever. That there's just no libido. There's also the resentment. There's sleep deprivation. There's not wanting to do it in front of the kid. There's your your hang-ups on your current body and feeling self-conscious about that. You might have torn, so you, you're not really sure what's going on down there. It might look like a bit of a train crash. You might also have your, your C-section scar might be a little bit sore still. So there's just so many reasons why sex is a no-go. Like, yeah. just no. <laughs> and also, like, just... Oh, I, I can't describe it. I think... I put it in the way of saying this body is being used by a child. Like Mm. my boobs are the things that I fed a child with. So if you touch them, you're just going to take me back to what it felt like to breastfeed. Like they have a completely different purpose anymore. They're not sexy. They They were to feed Isabel. And that scar down there still feels a bit numb and makes me just feel a bit queasy when you touch it. Mm. And I just, I haven't really got the energy, to be honest. Yeah, that's totally normal. I mean, everyone says that they feel exactly exactly the same and I kind of wish that the partners could understand that a little bit more when they're trying it on every single night. <laughs> Yeah. and you're just like oh leave me alone I know and sometimes you just do it just to be like right okay I've done it tonight that means I've got a couple of days where I can <laughs> have some time off a bit of time <laughs> <laughs> definitely but actually when my period came back my libido came back a little bit so that's a little bit of a kind of light at the end of the tunnel for those that are struggling if your periods yeah. haven't come back yet it might just be a hormonal thing so yeah maybe but yeah if I... you're breastfeeding you're your uh, period might not come back for a while absolutely i don't have periods that's why isabel and um, danny and i needed fertility treatment mm. and then i breastfed isabel and then after i stopped breastfeeding i had a couple of periods spontaneously and i was like oh my god like why am i feeling like i'm in the mood and then they've gone away now i think oh. i scared them off again um, <laughs> you did it and they're and like i'm not doing that again time. yeah <laughs> I was like oh god this is strange why do I feel like I want to go near you um but yeah now that they've they've gone away again all feelings I'm just dead inside that's what I say to him the ice queen yeah that is me that's what I get called as well but I think it's just how you become like you're this lovely like person to these children but then when they're not around you're like get off me all day can I have a cuddle Isabel can I have a cuddle Isabel and then Danny goes I'll give you a cuddle and I'm like oh no no get off me (laughs) oh it's fun being a mum isn't it and you talk about this fun these fun postpartum things in your book issues like ripping a new arsehole dry feet acne all the other issues that come with post the postpartum period night sweats as well what oh was... my god, they were Oh awful. my god, why does no one tell us about these things? Like, Do you think it's because people want, like, would be terrified and the world wouldn't exist because the race as we know it would just be cancelled? But I don't think, I think that I'd have believed them, actually, to be fair. I would have been like, no. yeah, right, it's not that bad, come on. 
and then you're in it and I you're like holy I was shit out yeah with those night sweats i genuinely thought that either my section scar had ripped or yeah. i had some kind of like internal bleeding that had just peered out of my arse and come out onto the bed i thought i, I pissed know. myself yeah saturated yeah danny was like oh my god what's happened because come over to touch me and the whole bed was just soaking i just put a towel down and went back asleep yeah i've never ever seen anything like it if somebody told me that i would have been like no that's not right at all but it's every night as well like every single night you just wait like no matter how little clothing you're wearing every single night just wake up in this puddle of sweat i'm like what the hell is this so weird the whole thing is odd nobody tells you do they and maybe we need to make like an nct for real mums where we tell them oh by the way like your nipples are gonna bleed and you're gonna need to rub this cream or by the way when you're not with your child and you're breastfeeding the milk will still be produced and you're gonna have to go and milk yourself in chiquito's toilet yeah or you hear a baby cry out it comes off you go That was weird, really weird. It's funny thinking back to that now because it's such a different part of my life. Yeah. It was so weird. It is weird. Just the postpartum period in general, like the weird things you experience, like, is bizarre. I'm currently going through the postpartum hair loss situation right now. Oh, that was gross. Every time I wash my hair, it's like Chewbacca's been in my bathroom. (laughs) I'm like, Christ, what is all this? So it's a good job I've got thick hair because otherwise I genuinely would be bald right now. Yeah. And then you get the growth after that where it it comes in little tufts and you look like a troll. (laughs) God, I've not got to that bit yet. Ooh, I've got that to look forward to. God help any mothers who are sitting there like eight months pregnant (laughs) listening to this now. They'll be like, too late, love, too late. This is too late to get rid of this child. What do I do? (laughs) I've actually got a whole podcast episode on this as well. So that's going to be interesting because there's just so many things to talk about that are just weird. Like the dry feet thing. Why is that a thing? Why? I don't understand. It's just to make you even uglier, I think. <laughs> so you don't have another baby. Could, yeah, it's to turn the husband away because your body doesn't want to go through it again. So they try and make you as ugly as possible. That's why all your hair falls out, you get dry feet, you get acne, you have massive bags under your eyes. I think it's a rare... A, in, oh God, what is the word that I'm coming like? A contraceptive. Yeah. But then why is it that the men just seem to be so rampant at this stage? <laughs> it's know. done the Maybe opposite. Like dry feet. Who knows? But what do you think was your like most unexpected postpartum issue? Um, nobody told me about the night sweats. They didn't last very long though, but that was a real shock when that happened. Yeah. And I guess oh, I don't want to go back to the body thing, but so many people because i was so skinny before were just like oh you'll bounce back yeah and the the little poochy thing that you've got for so long afterwards and it's it's like it's quite hard it's like i mean this is after a c-section as well so i don't know if everyone's got this but like i have one too kangaroo pouch and what when's that gonna go away yeah (laughs) because uh I just think even if I toned that up, that's not going to disappear because it's like a little hard little pocket of pooch. I found that the more weight that I lost the first time around, the saggier it got because it was just it was just yeah. like there. It, 
yeah and it's not just a c-section thing because I've not had a c-section and I've got it too and a lot of yeah. mums who haven't had c-sections have got them so yeah oh it's just one of those things isn't it that another one of those things that we have to deal with as mothers yeah <laughs> like, I feel like this has been very ranty honestly the book's really funny like oh, I'm, it is. I'm not misery <laughs> oh it is it just it just made me laugh so much and like some of your it's just brutally honest as well and that's what I love about it like your graphic description of do you say it's Lockyer isn't it how you pronounce oh, yeah. it oh yeah but that was mental that wasn't it like but why I did I was gonna die I know but I wish someone had told me about that as well like I knew that you bled a little bit after birth but what what is that it just it's horrendous the stuff that comes out of you and nobody tells you about that so how did you find it like a vaginal birth? Because obviously you've got that's another thing. Nobody tells you you've got to birth the placenta either. <laughs> like that might seem like a common sense thing to someone, but I was like, what? So you've got to give birth after you've given birth? Yeah. What the hell is that about? Yeah, I know. But yeah, vaginal birth was interesting. <laughs> I mean, I tore myself a new asshole both times. <laughs> so. I was just that like people do that and then they get discharged home the same day <laughs> i know it's baffling isn't it like literally ripped from front to back and off you go and you've also got a din a wound the size of a dinner plate inside your abdomen where the placentas come out and you're yeah. you're bleeding everywhere from this wound like imagine so imagine you've got a wound on your outer body somewhere the size of a dinner plate <laughs> and it's like pouring out blood everywhere you would not be sent home from hospital with that with wound. You'd literally be told, like, no, sit there, don't move. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna stitch you up. We're gonna give you some fluids, but no, yeah. off you go home with your new baby that you've got to now look after by yourself and provide for the food rest for. Of your life. Yeah, it's it's absolutely baffling, isn't it? And no one tells you about these these extra things that you have to deal with. It's just like. Like, my mum never told me any of this, right? And when I had my first daughter, I was like, mum, why didn't you tell me any of this? And she was like, because then you'd have never had kids. I was like, yeah, oh, right, okay, well, thanks for the, the pre-warning about all this shit that's going to be coming out of my vagina after giving birth. <laughs> thanks for that. But, yeah, that must be the reason why nobody tells you. Yeah. Well, it's like a little secret club, isn't it? I'm I'm proud to be in the secret club, but I also take a lot of joy in telling people how horrendous it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, But also, going back to, like, the misery mafia as well, as you call them, and a sort of how you respond to them, do you get a lot on your Instagram as well from them, or not just yet? I'm quite lucky. I mean, I've got, what, eight and a half thousand followers. So not that big in, in Instagram world. Um, and I think the people who follow me or at least who see my posts tend to be a lot of the people who I've now collected as a bit of a tribe. So everyone's really positive. They're really lovely. I'm fearful, I guess, because... A part of being on Instagram is about the growth and is about growing your account and sharing things with the world. And I guess there is going to be a point where if it continues to grow, 
there's going to be more negative stuff. People will say negative things because of the things that I've said in this podcast because being open and honest doesn't suit everybody's personality or viewpoints about parenthood. Mm -hmm. But I guess I'm coming from a place where I know now that there's a lot of backing for the need to have the real conversations Mm. and even if like a hundred people come at me and say oh my god you sound like a shit mum I know now that I'm not a shit mum and I know that me saying "Mm, bitch it isn't it sometimes you're going to be really bored and underwhelmed and not going to love every single second and your kids are going to be arseholes yeah that will provide the the support for one mum out there who thinks that that's what she needs to hear Mm. so I guess it's about supporting the ones that need it and I'm I wish that somebody did that for me I wish that somebody was like it's shit isn't it and I don't think that it's shit all the time but there are definitely days where I'm like there's nothing left on Netflix to watch and I'm still sitting on the couch yeah I totally agree and I think the good outweighs the bad with that because you are helping so many people to feel like they're not alone and I do get hundreds of messages from people as well saying that they're so grateful for me sharing certain things because it means that they've felt that like they're not alone or like they've got something checked that they wouldn't have got checked without like hearing about it so I feel like you just have to look at it as yeah you might get a couple of negative messages but the good outweighs the bad yeah yeah absolutely how do you respond to negativity? Is Do you have like a way of responding or do you just kind of let it go? Um, I don't know yet. I think I found it quite difficult in the Daily Mail because I wanted the book to do well and that was when it was very, very new. Mm. But I guess everybody's entitled to their own opinion aren't they I'm a much stronger person now I feel like if it came a year ago or something I'd really struggle and I'd take it really personally but I know that I don't know I don't even know if I just brush it off or I'm quite honest I think I'd just be like really brutally honest back to them Mm. I think my issue was that I always like read it and immediately replied and it was like an angry reply whereas I need to like read it take a minute like walk away just realize that it's their issue not mine and then reply otherwise it's like like yeah absolutely because you end up like swearing and just getting into loads of trouble no I completely agree with that yeah Um, Also, you say in your book that you don't know what you're doing with mum life, but there are definitely some nuggets of wisdom in there that I absolutely love. And one of them has actually helped me massively. So I've spoken recently on my stories about being a little bit broken down there. Um, But one of your nuggets of wisdom is about how to do your pelvic floors. And it is to imagine yourself sitting in a bath of eels and trying not to let any get in. And honestly, that is how I do my pelvic floors now, is thinking about that. (laughs) That is something. So there's a book um, called This Is Gonna Hurt by Adam Kay. Yeah. It's the funniest book I've ever, ever read. It's kind of about um, his experience as a junior doctor. And that's what he says is think of a sitting in a bath of eels and try and not let any of them in and as soon as I say that out loud I do a pelvic floor exercise because I know exactly <laughs> I know, what I know. he means 
Um, so yeah, that's my nugget of wisdom is to share that information from Adam K because that's that's the only way that it makes sense to yeah. me. I've actually got one of Adam K's books as well, the nurse one. I can't remember what it's called though, but I got given oh. it as a gift um, when I left my previous nursing job. But it's hilarious. Ah. But yeah, he he is so funny. But I've never been able to do my pelvic floors. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't figure out the action. And now that yeah. I've read that, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I've cracked it. I am bossing mum life. I can do my pelvic floors. So yeah, do you have any other nuggets of wisdom for mums to be out there? Oh god, I don't know if I have any knowledge about anything. <laughs> I think um definitely come off all of the mum groups where there's people like Helen and Chantel on there who are telling you like live love love um, yeah everything that they know about their child is because they had a kid two weeks before you so they're an expert like just ask real advice from healthcare professionals and trust your own instincts I wish somebody had said to me you you know how to do this like idiots bring up kids don't they yeah there are really really horrible vile people with no brain cells who have managed to bring up six or seven children so trust your own instincts mm-hmm. she's survived isabel survived now she's nearly two i've done a pretty good job she's quite polite she says please and thank you even if you and... did drop shit in her mouth <laughs> that is yeah. the best story in the book oh god you know what's funny when I wrote the book I kind of just wrote it in snippets and then the way it fell into an alphabetical structure yeah meant that that came on about the third page oh my god it I made me die like jumped right into oh god this is what this is about but yeah, really. but the stories like that are what made me like want to keep reading because I was like oh my god that is something that I would do <laughs> it's the worst thing I felt so bad as well because my brother and his girlfriend were there and like you want them to think that you know what you're doing and you're a good mum and I just it just fell right into him (laughs) oh god Um, well it's only milk though because all they have is milk so it's just milk yeah just just fermented a little bit (laughs) oh god oh dear on that note anyway my next question is a question that I ask all of my podcast guests and it is, what is your most embarrassing hashtag mum life moment? And if that's not it, then I'd love to hear it's it. It's got to be that, hasn't it? Surely it's got to be that. <laughs> or I was in a, you'll know the story as well, I was in a, oh God, it was like a choking awareness class, first aid for kids, whatever, sitting on the floor and Isabel started screaming. Well, you're all sitting surrounded by little toddlers, whatever, aren't you? She's screaming. So I just whipped my boob out, subtly tried to breastfeed her. And as she was screaming, I had the biggest letdown. So if people don't know about breastfeeding, it literally just comes out like a, Mm. I don't know, like a super soaker. And just saturated half of the kids in this room (laughs) with breast milk. The mums were sitting on the floor, like, wiping it off their kids' face. That's hilarious. And I couldn't latch her on because she was screaming so much. So it was just a nipple, like, literally super soaking in the room. Just awful. So embarrassing. And then I couldn't leave 
because we were all learning how to do that and you had to pass this little exam on how to stop kids from choking. So I'd sit there for an hour and a half after I'd saturated everybody else with the juice from my own nipples. (laughs) I love that story. But that is is something that would happen to any mum and I'm so grateful for lockdown this time around because... It meant yeah. that every time I was feeding Bailey, I was on my sofa and I had I just had both tits out because <laughs> why not? So yeah. there was milk spraying everywhere because he wasn't a good feeder. He would latch on, latch off, latch on, latch off. And there would be yeah. milk everywhere, but it didn't matter because I was at home. But I just remember so many letdown stories of when I was feeding Bella, like her being really nosy and like latching on and then something happened like next to her and she'd like latch yeah. off and look at it. And then there's just milk spraying everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my Christ. That's why I stopped breastfeeding, because she'd just pull off oh, so... and, like, look around the room. And I'd be like, hello, my tit's out here. Yeah. And you'd be trying to do it dead subtly, and then she'd just pull her head away. Yeah. All the time when I... God, what did I do? The post... No, the milkman. <laughs> what was he? The window cleaner. <laughs> the milkman. The window cleaner came around, and I was breastfeeding Isabel. And, like, I, I was one of those... Mums who was like, it's all natural, it's fine, nobody's going to care. So I went to the door thinking that I was super mum breastfeeding her. Dro- what did I do? Oh, hadn't realised that she'd fallen asleep. And then I was just standing there with my nipple just out. <laughs> and her head wasn't even on my boob anymore. And he dropped his tin of money into the porch. And I was like, oh dear. So then went to help him. Just completely exposed oh. my entire breast. What is it you call them? Tetastrophes. Literally was. <laughs> I love them. Oh, so funny. So that is it then. Thank you so much for coming on. Before we head off, could you please tell us where we can get your books and where we can find you on social media and anywhere else? Yes. Thank you. Um, my book is available on Amazon. It's also on Waterstones um, online. It's so difficult trying to get it into shops at the moment. So it's on Amazon. Just search Mum's The Word book and it should come up. And everything else, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, is um, at book Mum's The Word. Lovely. And I am definitely going to be purchasing book number two, like now when we get off this phone call, because I need it in my life. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great chatting to you. Ah, no, thank you very much. And I can't wait to listen to the rest of the episodes. Um, It's like, it's weird because you just know every single one of them you're going to love because it's the same kind of conversations that you have with your best friends so yeah i can't wait thank you oh you're so welcome speak to you soon bye Bye. thank you so much for listening if you like this episode please subscribe download and leave me a review find more mum life moments over on instagram at a little bit of lottie thanks for listening and we'll see you on next week's episode